When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back to another episode of the Barstoolers Premier League podcast. Now, the podcast upload schedule at the moment is all over the place because there's rounds of games seemingly every couple of days. So it's been about 10 days, I think, since the last podcast went up, if I'm correct in saying that. It's hard for myself to even remember. And a lot of things have happened. Uh, Where do you start, really? I mean, when we were recording the last one, Frank Lampard was still in a job. So we're going to be talking about Tuchel pretty in depth in this episode. I think it's important that we we get our thoughts out on the new managerial uh, situation at Chelsea so they can age really poorly. And then United were six points clear Liverpool. We were top of the league. We've had a couple of negative results. Liverpool have had a couple of good results. They're signing a couple of centre-backs. So I suppose Liverpool's probably the best place to start considering they've had a couple of impressive wins. I'm sure you lads are an awful lot happier. Yeah, we're back on that horse and it's feeling good. Yes, it's, it's nice to actually see Liverpool score some goals. Uh, you have no complaints about our last two matches, really. It would be nice to keep a clean sheet against West Ham, but considering we have to play Jordan Henderson at centre-half, I don't think I can give it about that too much. We're back to normality, aren't we, Owen? Uh, atta- Attacking-wise, yeah. We still, we looked a little bit lacklustre in the first half against West Ham, but once we got the first goal, we... Kind of just showed our old selves. Second goal was absolutely brilliant, as was the... Actually, all three goals were brilliant. Um, for me, it was brilliant for the third one. Curtis Jones was very good, straight off the bench. And then and second goal was probably... Yeah, second goal was probably the best goal of the weekend, I thought, in Premier League. But yeah, it's actually nice to see us playing the way we are used to seeing us play. Do you think it's sustainable? Or is, have you just picked up a little bit of form and it'll dip again? Or was it just... A bad run of form and now you're back. I think it was just a bad run of form. Liverpool have been so consistent. That's one thing you could say about them the last two and a half years. So it's not abnormal for them to have one sort of bad stretch, but it's good to see them back to winning ways. Well, Trent was saying they're still the same team after the Hammers game, which you know you don't know whether to interpret that as a bad thing or a good thing. You know, I think it's probably more a good thing. They're just trying things, hasn't come off at points. Uh, but obviously our centre half situation has left us massively exposed at the back so great that we're hopefully plugging that um but you never know so we'll just have to wait and see i think we could have experienced another dip but it's uh it's hard to tell at the moment we need to see more from Mane. that's a must yeah because liverpool after brighton it's a little bit of a tricky run of fixtures four or five games i think it is so i think that run of games will be quite telling if you can come out of that with 
the majority of the points available, then surely you're still in the title race. But where do yeah, you think? I hope so, especially if we manage to if, if we get manage to get a win against City. I mean, we'll only be four points behind them. Um, well, not well. You'd assume City will yeah. win their game in hand. But assuming they win their game in hand, we'll only be four points behind City. If we win that. Of course, we've also got Leicester. Um, I think we've got Leicester right after City as well. Um, it's like that'll be a tough game. But like Leicester the weekend there lost three one to Leeds. Uh, only drew one all with Everton. So you know, and obviously we beat Leicester three at Anfield as well. So they're there to be. There's still a lot of funny results them. left in this league. Like it just could chop and change the table. Like I think it's just best have the mantra. You know that horrible cliche players have in their dull interviews. Take it game by game. That's what we just need to do. Take it game by game. Look, oh, who do we have next? We'll see where we are right now. Just just take it game by game. I think that goes for most uh, most teams in the top half. I like yeah, it's a- like plugging the um, defensive problems. Well, I know we'll probably go into it on the different podcasts, but the fact that we're signing Ben Davies and Ozan Kabak rock and light and say we know much about either of them they might not be great but at least if we have two recognised centre halves in there we can have our preferred midfield of Henderson Fabinho and Thiago for big games like City um, which I think we'd be a lot better going forward if we had that sort of a midfield and having Fabinho in at the number six I think we'd be a lot better defensively as well there was a few times we were getting over on a midfield, I thought, which Wijnaldum in the six. And Wijnaldum's had a good season as well. It's just, it's not ideal. Yeah, James, you were saying there about, you know, taking it a game at a time and there's still an awful lot of funny results uh, left to be, you know, to decide basically. And that's basically why I'm not too bothered about United's drop points recently. Because if you just put Sheffield United down to a anomaly of a terrible performance then a draw away to Arsenal, hopefully win tomorrow night or this evening, whenever you're listening to it against Southampton. You know, those two games, draw away to Arsenal, win against Southampton, hopefully is fine. Just ignore Sheffield United because City, they're going to have weird results. Liverpool are going to continue to have weird results. Chelsea have had bad results all season. Spurs looking dodgy at the moment. So, yeah, it's very, very difficult to call, really. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, I just, I don't think the same can be said really for City. We'll just see what they'll be like. They've had no strikers for the majority of the season, so they've been very impressive. But no De Bruyne could really hurt them in the next few weeks. But if it doesn't, if they ride out this fixture picks, uh, fixture period and come out with 12, 13 wins in a row, you have to have them nailed for the title. Do you know, I think it's... it's. I shocking. think it's because now they have that back line so settled. Like the start of the season, they were kind of chopping and changing and then they brought in Ruben Diaz... Cancelo's been at left back for portion of the season. Like they're not relying on someone like Mendy or Zinchenko to to be defending. Like they're a lot more solid. And since they've had that defensive line solidified, it's a lot better. Yeah, you seen that actually at the weekend there against Sheffield United because the form City are in against the Blades, you'd expect City to absolutely wipe the floor with them, and it didn't quite happen. Because they dropped Joao Cancelo, they dropped John Stones, they dropped Raheem Sterling, I believe. So Adoni came out of that with a 1-0 win, which is ultimately all that matters when you have to rotate, just getting that result. But uh, I think probably talk about United a little bit. Again, I'm not too worried. The performance against Sheffield United was terrible. It was terrible. There's absolutely no hiding it. And some people complained about refereeing decisions. Doesn't really cut it when the performance was that bad to be honest so I don't really care about that but just ignore that I was happy enough at the performance against Arsenal probably didn't do enough to win the game but certainly 
shouldn't have lost it. And yeah, a win against Southampton, easier said than done, but hopefully a win against Southampton. And I think we're back on track, really, because there was just one really poor performance against the Blades. I think that yeah, was but... a, a fair assessment, sorry. But um, that see the Roy Keane analysis after, like, oh, more of the same. Um, more of the same. Like, I, I don't agree with him that the Arsenal game was there to be there to be had. I think the Liverpool game was more there to be had. And I think at the end of the day, as you said, in isolation, they're fine results. Like, these things can happen. Yeah, like you say, like, you wouldn't be too worried with the Sheffield United result unless it carried in over, over to other matches. But, like, the mistake, I know the lot was made a mistake uh, for the second goal Sheffield scored. I was very bad defending. I watched the majority of the Arsenal game and you know you look fairly sure defensively they didn't look like they were going to concede really and like you said like teams just get freak results um like even look at City earlier on the season like they dropped points to West Brom and like City are barely seeing out other teams like such like they barely beat soft Southampton barely soft Sheffield there they almost got results at the end so I don't know yeah honestly I don't think we can dwell on United too much because as I said, I'm not particularly worried. Now, if you're talking about a title race, then I am worried because we're not in the title race. I don't believe we ever were. I think United are a team that are very capable of going 10 games un- undefeated, 15 games unbeaten. You know, you've seen that on two or three occasions when Solskjaer has been the manager because we look to really assert ourselves in games and look to score a lot of goals so we can go on these long runs, winning runs. Uh, but is it enough for a title challenge? Probably not, but that's that's fine because nobody expected us to be that start of the season. It's all about progression. Um, I think last season we got on 66 points. If we can bring that closer to about 75, then we're going in the right direction. So that's, I think we'll leave it there for United for this, this week anyway. But one major thing I do want to talk about is Tottenham's results. Because honestly, Tottenham have been... They've been very poor last few weeks, really. I mean, the bet Sheffield United there but they're comfortably beaten by Liverpool. They're terrible against Brighton. And I was actually reading someone, someone's article today comparing that performance to a lot of Mourinho performances when things really start to go down the drain. They're just absolutely lackluster. Obviously, you know, Harry Kane doesn't help that. And I think Son, he's a brilliant player, don't get me wrong, but he looks a little bit lost without his partner in crime. You know, he really has Kane to bounce off, but now he has to do it all on his own. So... I think signs are worrying for Spurs. Uh, do you think they'll definitely get top four? I don't think they're real definites in this league this season. Uh, maybe last season would have been a bit more clear. But I think the way the Premier League is shaping up this year, you can't definitely say Spurs get top four, Leicester will get top four, Chelsea get top four. It really is incredibly open this year. And that's what's made the like the games mightn't have been terribly exciting to watch, but the overall standings makes it for... Uh, very exciting running. I think the Kane injury, well, I don't think the Kane injury is going to have a huge impact, but even they're watching the weekend, Sun didn't even look as good as he normally is with Kane on the pitch. And I know Spurs got the goal after uh, Kane went off against Liverpool, but they didn't they didn't really threaten the Liverpool goal much. Um, in fact, I don't think Alisson had anything to do really in the second half. Um, he couldn't really do much against about the Hoiberg goal. He just struck it really well. You just, you don't really have that target man. And like, it's not, it's not even that Kane's. Okay, we said before one podcast, Kane's more than just a big builder play like as well. Yeah, he, his builder play is really good. Like he's top, he's got more assists in the league this year than De Bruyne. He's going to miss out on that creativity now as well. Next few games will probably tell, like you said with Liverpool, it'll it'll tell where Spurs are more likely to end up. Yeah, as you said, um, there about no Kane. 
Youngman's son without Harry Kane is basically no better than a Marcus Rashford or something like that. He's a very, very good player and always dangerous. But when you've got Harry Kane, Son knows to make those runs, he's going to get balls in behind and he's going to get chances to score. But that just completely changes without Kane. Nobody else can do that. Do you remember remember Kane last season had a lengthy injury and you think back to the Villa games, the win in a late fashion 3-2, like Son did dig them out of situations and he will continue to do that because he's got the quality. And I do believe still he's come on a bit individually. I know Kane has been instrumental in his form of late but I, I think you need to see more from Gareth Bale like is he completely finished as a footballer as a human being does he need to just hang up the boots because he's really disgracing himself like I hate <laughs> to look at him like just the state of him he's a joke like I like how are people like Lucas Mora rotting away and Gareth Bale the terrorist is going to get on like he needs to l- grab a few goals or assist soon just do something I think when he was first signed uh, Spurs fans thought it's going to be like the Gareth Bale that left Spurs but that was six Six or seven years ago, so and a player who has as, had as many injuries as him, it's going to be completely different. Now, he's a man that just has sheer pace, and he would have lost that over the years. I think Spurs were expecting a lot more than what they've gotten from him, but he's been poor since he's come in. I know it's only a loan deal, but he hasn't looked good at all. It's like Paul Merson today. Everyone has their Premier League tinted glasses on with the like new Liverpool centre back, right? Like he's on about Schalke being bottom of the table. That's just as deep as this analysis goes and i'm not going to pretend my analysis go any deeper than that but that's that's other people don't watch la liga didn't watch Bale week in week out you know how could they They'd have to be in the bushes of a golf club for that yeah it's i remember someone i know saying geez united really should have went for gareth bale like i think he still hasn't and he's like no like <laughs> i thought united were over that type of deal you know signing di maria when it was clear he didn't want to come to a sign falcao uh, you know, panic and sign him. I thought we were over that kind of deal. Cavani, I was fine with because he was only ever really going to come off the bench. I know that's kind of changed now because he's been an awful lot better than everybody expected him to be, or certainly on better free, than I expected him. On a free, and also reports about Cavani, his character and stuff. He's just so hard working, and I don't really know if you'd say that about Gareth Bale. So it was a very Jose Mourinho signing, to be honest, to get Gareth Bale in the loan. You Sounds see, Matt Doherty. He doesn't exactly fit in, does he? Uh, you know, Vinicius, you know, do, doing the Mbappe celebration against Maureen. Like, that's... Uh, yeah, I have to write that. That's funny, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Regulon have slotted in, though. Regulon's good, but Regulon's also... Been good. Real Madrid are just going to buy him back. So even yeah, that they only, deal They only good. have first... Uh, if they go to sell, they have first refused. I don't think it's actually a proper option to buy. Like, a no, it, it, it is actually it? is. Yeah, and it's for Connor, like... Connor the Spurs van is adamant that it's a uh, first refusal if they go to sell. Because that's why United were like, nope, absolutely not. Because um, it's something like, what's it buying for? 25 million or something? I think it's tw- 30 million buyback. So he's probably gone at the end of the season. Well, you know, obviously it depends on Real's situation, but you'd think he'd probably go because he has been good. I think with Spurs, the two signs they thought were going to be lighten the team up or Bale and Doherty and it's been quite the opposite the two ones that have really stood out have been Regulon and Heiberg I think Heiberg's been very good his first game against Everton he was tragic uh, very very bad performance but I think after that he really picked up and then he scored an absolute rocket against Liverpool uh, could have brought them back in the game but Liverpool were just far better Spurs were very bad against Liverpool we really showed our class that day I'm still kind of confused by Doherty signing. At the time, I was like, it doesn't make sense. But Wolves played a completely different style of play to 
Spurs and they kind of have those attacking fullbacks. Maybe Spurs, it's but like Doherty played in a system that had three three central defenders, five at the back, where he didn't really have to cover it defensively as much, and he was had more freedom to travel further up the pitch. Like he got caught out for that a few times. I remember that in the Everton match where Spurs got caught out for numbers because Doherty was so far up the pitch because. He was so used to that at Wolves where he had a bit more freedom to go up the pitch and maybe not track back as much. So signs like that, I, it makes less sense now when I think about it. At the time, I thought it was fine, but now but when you actually watch Spurs and you think about it, like he, he doesn't really suit the style of play. Okay, I think we're probably done the roast of Spurs. I think that needed to be, needed to be said, though, because I don't think we've really talked about it recently. But uh, we'll see how the results are over the next few games without Harry Kane. Maybe it'll pick up again. But by far the biggest thing that happened since we recorded last podcast is Frank Lampard be relieved of his duties and Thomas Tuchel coming in. Now, I've done a bit of research into Frank Lampard's sacking and I've t- taken down the notes, the most notable things. So only Ben Chilwell was his signing of the summer signings. So clearly there's some weird power dynamic there going on. Lampard felt it was a toxic environment with everybody blaming each other, nobody taking accountability, and he would have walked out at the end of last season if it was any other club other than Chelsea. Uh, Lampard didn't really talk to any of the players who are sort of on the periphery of the squad, so he kind of banished Danny Drinkwater or Marcus Alonso, and those players wouldn't hear from him for weeks at a time, months at a time, which is absolutely a fault of his, and maybe something he'll get better at as his coaching career goes on. Uh, Declan Rice, his pursuit of Declan Rice was ultimately something that ended up getting him sacked. Uh, the board at Chelsea were embarrassed at being linked to a player they let go when he was a youngster and signed him back for a potentially huge fee. So that absolutely didn't help him. He tried to sign James Tarkovsky. He didn't really want Thiago Silva, but he just had to take him. And they go on to more so the appointment of Tuchel. Chelsea originally wanted Ralph Rangnick, the German coach, to take over until the end of the season, but he wasn't interested in it because of the short-term nature of the deal. And Thomas Tuchel didn't want the job until next season, but his his arm was twisted and he had to take it. And about Tuchel, he's quite an abrasive character. He tends to fall out with club hierarchy. And I personally can't see him really working well with Marina Granitskaya. What do you think his shelf life is at Chelsea? Two years, maybe. Oh, standard. No, Seventeen standard months, Chelsea. I think. Isn't it the isn't it the median sort of time like seventeen? Or no, sixteen months or something. Frank got seventeen or eighteen. Like he did better, and he had a worse win ratio than other managers that got the boot quicker than him. So I have no sympathy for Frank whatsoever. Frank is, I think, it was the fifth longest serving manager of the Abramovich era. So like has been there. Mourinho. Mourinho. Uh, Benitez, well, he was Kante. interim, I suppose. Kante, Kante was there for a few seasons. He was good. Two. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about Tuchel. I was never convinced about him in the first place. Um, I never. I thought he was quite poor. Dortmund. I got PSG to Chelsea last year. Uh, I don't know. Again, it's one of these things. Like I don't. I don't watch. Never watch Tuchel teams week in and week out. So like, again, I can't really comment on it. But. That was certainly progression for PSG, like Champions League final. I know it's a serious squad, but I, I I think he needs a bit of credit. All those personalities to manage, like Frank can manage Marcel, Marcus Alonso and Danny Drinkwater and Tuchel at the manage, and Mbappe and Neymar. In fairness, it's 
an 18 month contract so he's only got until the end of next season and I think it was something that was said on who imagine the day it was said on that that he originally was like what's the he was he didn't want to be an 18 month contract but then he was kind of said well what's the point if I'm bad they're going to sack me anyway so we may as well take the short term deal now and if you're good get the long term deal but then all that happened there is if he's good for a year or two and then he maybe falls out of the table a little bit after he gets a full home contract like you just sack him once he starts doing bad again there was also this thing where you signed because it was to help have Ertz and Werner settle in, the German players. Not convinced by that. Not convinced he'll do that, but I... Well, he loves Rüdiger, that's for sure. He loves Rüdiger. And that's yeah. the German connection. Like, he wanted Rüdiger PSG. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I'm not surprised that if that is the actual reason why he brought Tuchel in or a German manager in, but I don't think it's going to have any effect on how well he doesn't play. They're sending out, sending out Rangnick, as I said, and Nagelsmann. I think uh, Frank only lasted as long as he did in the job because he was a Chelsea legend. If that was anyone else, I think they would have been sacked a lot earlier. I can't see Tuchel lasting that long because Abramovich wants to win leagues or Champions Leagues every year. And I can't see them winning the league next year. It might take another year, two or three years to... like that. That's all dependent on like Havertz and Werner becoming good because Werner is very, very bad. Lacazette, a lot better than Werner. Uh, Olivier Watkins, a lot better than Werner. He's definitely been a far better signing, but maybe that German connection could uh, flare that man. But two games, zero goals. Not good. Thoughts, James? Actually, it was only one game. He featured zero minutes against Wolves, so uh, we've given the benefit of that. Because he's no good. Uh, He's no good. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat off the burner train. I'm on the uh, the show or the uh, Callum Hudson the die train. I think just one more thing on Frank. Was any were any of you listening to the dubiously uh, named Gary Neville podcast that Sky have? They're like about seventy yeah. minutes. Well, I saw it on I saw it on YouTube. It was in my recommended, but I didn't watch it. Very weird format, I have to say. Just strange podcast. Uh, but more of an aftermatch thoughts. But anyway. Um, he, he was on about Frank Lampard in 2012, I believe, was left out of a squad by uh, AVB. And him and all the other players lobbied relentlessly to get him sacked. Like, fuck him. Like, personal attacks and abuse. Just get this perk. It doesn't know what he's talking about, etc., etc. And, like, that is the rootless mentality that Frank Lampard had as a professional. And you could say that's backstabbing, that's this and that unprofessional. And it absolutely is all the above. You know, whatever. That could be kept yourself. I think the modern player might be less vocal against the manager than that, like this dressing room at Chelsea now. So Frank ultimately has to sort of eat his words, you know, have some humble pie or whatever, and just uh, just deal with it, mate, because uh, he's in the bin. He's never getting a good job again. Chelsea players back then had a winning mentality. Like there would have been John Terry, Drogba, Lampard, like these legends of the Premier League. There's no one like that in Chelsea squads. They don't, they're not winners. They haven't won anything. Azpilicueta has won a bit, but... He yeah, Tuchel said like, he was starstruck by starstruck by uh, Azpilicueta. Stopped in his tracks. So weird. He was calling him Azpli and Pulisic had to correct him. So like, I couldn't imagine, I know Azpilicueta is like the captain, but I couldn't imagine him coming out and rallying all the players together. Like Lampard, Drogba and Terry, they were different animals. Like they were completely different to any of the lads in the Chelsea squad now. They were winners and that also brings up another point about maybe why Chelsea haven't been as successful over the last couple of years with their managerial policy in terms of you get two seasons, absolute tops. Because back in the day, 
the Premier League probably wasn't as probably wasn't as competitive. You had United, you had Chelsea, and you sometimes had Liverpool because Arsenal were kind of out of the picture post two thousand seven. Anyway, yeah, um, you didn't really even have Liverpool. Liverpool challenged for one season away at nine, and then apart from that, there wasn't much for like five years. And then City were kind of on the periphery at that stage, but they weren't really challengers. But nowadays, Chelsea just don't have that grade of a team in comparison to the rest like as an actual team not even talking about individuals just week to week what you'd expect City are better Liverpool are better United are better Spurs are probably better Leicester are probably not far behind so this whole chopping and change and expecting to win a title every two three years it's not really realistic and they should probably just stick with someone for now until they have a squad that's definitely capable of winning leagues. Leicester certainly have more team cohesion. That's huge. And they've Jimmy Vardy, who's still in the goals, like that, not having a, a striker, chopping and changing your centre-back partners. I'm still not convinced that Thiago Silva as a medium-term option. Like, what's the point in signing him just for this season? It's going to be a stopgap solution and not develop someone like Zoom alongside him. He might not be good enough. I just think they need an overhaul in certain areas and, no, they're not even going to get a title in the next few seasons. I can't see it. Like Connell said, like someone like Tarkovsky coming in probably would have been a better option because he's still. Um, I actually don't know what age James Tarkovsky is. Twenty eight. A lot younger than Thiago you know that, Silva. Do you know what that stinks yeah, of? Roman? Like, that stinks of Frank just going for Brexit signings like me on the uh, FIFA career mode. Just like good he's, English he's lads. A good player. He yeah, is, Tarkovsky's but... very good. Uh, Tarkovsky's a very good centre half. I know, but I think it's a bit lazy. Like you wouldn't see Klopp just sign a Connor Cody type player just because they're. All right, because yeah, Tarkovsky's a lot better brilliant. than Conor yeah. Cody. actually very good. Yeah, I, I was talking about this uh, yesterday, actually. I really wrote Yeah, I think you're right there, James, about the overhaul. Like, they definitely need to strengthen a lot of positions. They're after getting a new, a new goalkeeper. I know we kept a clean sheet the other day, but Bendy Mendy can't save a Microsoft Word document. He's very bad. They need to get another goalkeeper. Uh I don't know about the centre-backs. They definitely need one. I don't know if Zuma is a long-term option. I know he is good in spells, but he can't keep fit. Uh, they need to get Obese James out, because Azpilicueta, he's getting old. Uh, they have too many attacking midfielders, like or attacking midfielders slash wingers, with like Pulisic, CH, Hudson-Odoi. Hudson-Odoi is probably the only one we keep there. Like Pulisic hasn't impressed me at all. Like He was all right when they came back from the lockdown, but... I know he has had the odd injury, but I don't think he's been very good. And then Werner. Chelsea haven't been able to have that striker position on lock really since Drogba left. Like I know Costa was good, but he had the fall net with Conte. Uh, he was good for a season or two seasons, but they need to have that like a Salah or Rashford. They're going to get 15 plus goals every season. Kane gets goals every year. That top striker in the squad who's guaranteed getting goals. I remember back in early December when Solskjaer was coming under a little bit of pressure, there was some links with Tuchel possibly being interested in the United job and someone sent it into the United group chat I'm in and I actually went back to find it uh, to make sure exactly what I said and he, he sent it in and I said, no thanks, having an irrational dislike of that man. And to be honest, it is quite irrational. I think it might just be because he was the PSG manager. He's always just seen the bit arrogant to me I don't I don't know how fair that is honestly I'm probably bullshitting there like but I don't know there's just so something I didn't really like about him and 
his playing style is a bit hard to pin down. Um, clearly, he wants the fullbacks to get involved because it was winger to both fullbacks for the goals against Burnley with Marcus Alonso and Azpilicueta uh, going on the underlap and getting balls from the wingers, Pulisic and I think it was Hudson-Odoi on the right. And his playing style has been uh, compared to sort of a, a mix of Jurgen Klopp and Guardiola, which to me just sounds like you don't know what you're doing. And it's a mm. cop-out and it's it's neither really. You know, it's kind of nothing. I think you need to pick one or the other kind of. He's, he's he was doing the Jurgen Klopp career trajectory. He started off at Mines, went to Dortmund. Now he's in England. I have a lot of time from, especially he was quite humble in the feet. I remember owning the five four, obviously at Anfield. Like, I I thought he'd give a good account of himself. He's quite elegant, elegant. Like I I, I think he's decent. I think he looks the part that, certainly. I think that's why I never really rated him because he Dortmund did very poorly in Europe when he was there. Um, which was that, and I think they got knocked out by. Or maybe he wasn't there for Spurs, but they never went very far in Europe with him. And obviously he was in charge of PSG for the 3-1 at the Parc de France at United one, I think it was. Was yeah. that Ole? It was, yeah, he was charged yeah. for that as well. And like last year, obviously PSG made it to the final. But the squad they have, they should be making it to the final, especially when it was over one leg. Game, one leg. So yeah. And they got a fairly easy enough draw for the quarterfinal in the Champions League last year as well. Like, Atlanta, good team, but Liverpool put five past them this year. I know they lost at home, but they're not... Leipzig really... aren't really there either. No. You know, they're they a good team, impressive, but they're not quite there. You semi-final, you'd take Leipzig. Like. But ultimately, yeah, exactly. do, in a word, do you think Tuchel will be a success? I'm going to stick out my neck out in the line and say no. 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 No, four nos. Oh, damn it. Like that, uh, yeah. Gratislava one. Like, why does she get praised? Off? <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, but it, it's obviously going to be a very difficult working relationship with her. And I don't know why she gets uh, so, so much praise from publications like TIFO. I just don't agree with it myself. So, yeah. Okay, and moving on to the predictions uh, league. Uh, if you don't know, the winner of this gets a jersey courtesy of, of a three. And my reign on top of the league lasted for a week. I got zero points this week. Ronan, you got zero points. Michael, you got two, so you've crept up a little bit. And James, you're back on top already. You got five points. So the games we're going to predict this week, decent set of fixtures, I think, midweek. The first we're going to predict is Wolves against Arsenal. Wolves look pretty hopeless at the moment. Maybe the signing of William Jose will help with that slightly. But Arsenal in a decent run of form. Wolves pretty miserable as of late. So I'm going to go with a 2-0 Arsenal victory at Molyneux. I am going to... I was probably going to say 2-0, but just to be different, I'm going to say 3-1. Uh, yeah, probably same. Wolves don't look very good at the minute at all. William Jose didn't do much at the weekend to impress... Yeah, not great. I would go a bit uh, against the grain. I'm going to say 1-1 because my boys for fantasy, like Tierney and Saka, are doubtful for the game. They're not going to play. So I don't think they're going to have enough, I think. And then Wolves, I would would go for more goals, but they just don't have goals in the minimum. So just 1-1. Going to go uh, with the Wolves win here. Uh, just Arsenal playing a team in a bad run of form. It just smells like a Wolves win. So... 1-0 here in this one. 
The next game we're going to predict is certainly an interesting one. It might tell an awful lot about where one particular team is at. It's United at home to Southampton, but I'm relatively upbeat on United considering a couple of not brilliant results. So I'm going to say we're just going to get back on track. 2-0 win against Southampton. Hopefully we get back on track. 2-0. I'm going to go for a 1-0 draw. I don't think Southampton have been brilliant the last few weeks. Uh, they're still playing all right football. Um, they just haven't looked as good. But they've got Romeo and Ings back, so I think they'll be a little bit more of a thresh. And they were very unlucky at the weekend against Villa as well. Two absolutely terrible VAR decisions. Uh, so we're going to go for 1-1. One, one. I am going to go for 4-0 United. Back in amongst the goals in a spectacular fashion. Martial's going to be not getting a sniff because he's Martial, of course. And uh, Rashford and Bruno are going to share the spoils. Maybe a bit of Cavani. Have that going. Yeah, I sense United coming back in the goals. Uh, coming out with a win 5-1 here. Fairly emphatic. Jeez, I'm, not, I'm confident, but I'm not that confident. I could definitely still see us losing. But anyway, next game. Definitely a very good game and it really could go anyway. This one interesting to see your predictions. Leeds at home to Everton. Leeds, great win against Leicester there. Bamford on fire. Everton, terrible loss against Newcastle. So, predictably, I'm going to go with an Everton win. Uh, I just think Calvert Lewin could have his way with those Leeds defenders, quite frankly. You know, uh, Leeds are at times disastrous defensively. They can definitely be got at. Calvert Lewin's physicality will be too much. He's going to score a header. 1-0 Everton. I'm going to go for a high-scoring one. 4-2 to Leeds. Uh, Everton looked very susceptible to the counter-attack and they don't, they're don't. just not good at defending. Everybody knows how bad Pickford is. And I just think Leeds' attack can get at that defence. But again, Leeds' defence isn't great. So it could be 40 wide away, but I'm going to go Leeds. Uh, I'm going to go for a 2-0 Leeds win and that goes against all sort of rationality because Leeds can be quite leaky at the back. But uh, Everton, looking at the Newcastle, like uh, looking very poor. Like DCL needs to play himself into a bit of form. And yeah, it could go the way you're saying, Cone, but yeah, I want to say 2 0 on the Leeds. I know what uh, Leeds did have that impressive win at the weekend, but I sense the points being shared equally in this one. Oh, I was going to say 3 all, but I'm going to settle on 2 all. 2 all in this one. Next game, another fa- fascinating one, really. Villa at home to West Ham. West Ham define everybody's expectations at the moment. Villa, equally so, to be honest. They're playing slightly better football, albeit. Uh, but I'm going to go with a 1-0 Villa win. I think West Ham, their momentum has to slow down at some stage. It doesn't make sense how well they're doing. And any time I watch Villa, I'm impressed. So, 1-0 Villa. Yeah, defensively, West Ham, they didn't look totally solid there at the weekend against Liverpool again it is Liverpool and they have Salah and that but Liverpool didn't have Mane and Firmino on from the start so I'm probably going to go for a 2-0 Villa win was going to say 1-0 again but just to be different to you give me the edge for when I eventually don't get that score right I'm going to go for a 1-0 West Ham win here and it's going to be a Soufal 48 yarder just for the FPL just what I ordered you know 48 yards is quite ambitious, but I admire it. Uh, it's also, also very specific. The 48-yard goal I have in mind is Ronaldo against Arsenal in the Champions League back in the day. Uh, but anyways, back on topic. Uh, who's going to win this one? Villa. Uh, 3-1 Villa. Olivier Watkins, absolute gunman. 
he's going to get it. I hope so. He's in my fantasy at the moment. But then the final game, this is coming on the Thursday, Evelyn, Tottenham at home to Chelsea. Interesting one. As we've touched upon, Spurs haven't looked convincing. Chelsea have looked a bit better under Tuchel, probably to be expected with the new manager bounce, but they're dominating possession, not creating too many chances. But, you know, I think a big game, Tuchel has had a few training sessions with them. So I think the new manager bounce will really start to come into effect and Chelsea will beat Spurs 2-1 at the I, uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I've never in my life been more confident of a game finishing one all. Yeah, just Spurs will go one up and then just sit back and then concede and then Chelsea will get found out for not being very good at attacking. I'm going to go for a 3-0, a 3-0 Chelsea win. A, a drubbing from Havertz and Co. I, don't, I think Werner gets rotated out, he gets frozen out again, but it's going to be show. It's going to be the Callum hudson Adoy show. It's going to be putting on uh, a masterclass. And he's probably been learning German uh, so he can communicate with Tuchel because he was going to go to Bayern. So uh, he's the man at the minute. That's what's, that's where the points are going to go. Uh, I'm going to go with a 1-0 Chelsea win. I can't imagine this game being terribly exciting just the way Spurs play. It's fairly miserable. I know Harry Kane, I can't see them coming out with anything out of this one. Yeah, so that just about wraps up this week's episode. We've tried to keep it short because there's going to be a quick turnover. This has been recorded at like 7 o'clock on Monday evening. It's going to be out in a couple hours because there's more games tomorrow starting at 6 o'clock. I think that Wolves-Arsenal game is at 6 o'clock. So that's why it's a little bit shorter this week. So hopefully we'll be back to normality next week. But thanks very much for listening. The last episode was very well received. If you're watching on YouTube, liking, subscribing, always, always appreciated. If you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, we're on. I don't know if you did that, Ronan, but we are actually on Google Podcasts, if anybody uses that Yeah, platform. I changed I changed the whole site and just, I don't know what it's on now. I know it's on Spotify now, Podcasts, but so yeah, it's probably on all the other ones as well. Okay, very good. So if you're on those platforms, please follow us, rate us, whatever you can do on those platforms. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you for listening. Network.